Hey, what's up, everyone? This is the Stranded Baptist coming at you from Regular Guys Slim. We're going to be talking about the social justice gospel here in this episode. Uh, maybe a foreigner's look from the outside in into the conversation happening in the U.S. right now about social justice and the gospel, or as some people have termed it, the social justice gospel. And uh, it's been an interesting experience just being an outsider looking in to the conversation as this is not prevalent in Icelandic society, and you could say that <laughs> because there's so few of us here stuck on an island uh, with with uh, uh, Christian when you especially when you look at the Christian population that we uh, tend to fight maybe less and uh, and our conversations are less nuanced than the conversations happening in the states. Um, but I want to give you my thoughts on the social justice gospel and. Um, before we do that, I want to I want to remind you that if you want to know more about the Iceland Project, of which I am a part of, we planted a church here in Iceland five years ago called Lofstum and Vavdasakitkia. We are hoping in 2020 to start another church, Redeemer City Church of Reykjavik, where Loka and Carla are going to come over here next year, work with our church for a little bit, and then be sent out from us to start another church. If you want to know more about the gospel, uh, the, the Iceland Project, you can go to www.theicelandproject.org. Don't forget the the in there, theicelandproject.org. Um, other than that, I want to say, uh, if you want to know more about my family, you can uh, view a video that I just posted on Facebook right now. If you don't know about me, we have two special needs children and we are getting a wheelchair for our youngest one who was born with a genetic mutation in his X chromosome. Only one of three people in the world that has been diagnosed with this. But uh, basically, we're in some need, financial need. Uh, we don't have a, an apartment that's accessible uh, very easily through a wheelchair or with a wheelchair. And building a ramp is almost impossible as the hallway to our apartment is pretty narrow. And it looks like we're running out of space in our apartment. If you want to help out, contribute towards us getting a, a bigger space so that we can better take care of our youngest one who is hopefully here in the next coming weeks going to get uh, a new wheelchair. If you want to see our apartment and see the situation, you can go to my Facebook page to uh, watch the video that I just shared. Otherwise, I'm not going to talk more about it. Now, let's just jump into this. Well, to start this off, let's uh, let's talk about this. Um, there was this conversation has been going on for, for quite a while online. One of the one of the things I've noticed when I when I came to the states, uh, so my my son, my oldest son, was diagnosed with cancer two years ago. We've been going through chemo treatment, which has basically stopped me in being able to go to the U.S. as frequently as I want to, or I did before. Um, I had been watching social interactions online for the past two years before going there a few months ago, uh, when Together for the Gospel Conference was being held. Um, I didn't know what to expect when I, when I was going over there, <laughs> like I, I was halfway expecting like dumpster fires on the street and that type of stuff, just from judging what's going on online. And, and you Americans may not realize this, but at least online, it looks like that. I've watched, you know, I like to follow some YouTubers who are sort of social commentators and just the things going on online have, have given me this idea. Um, I remember uh, Black Panther was coming out when I was there in the States and I had just read an article where 
a white guy apparently was trying to go to the Black Panther movie and he got basically booed out of the theater and someone yelling out, this is our movie, something like that. I really wanted to go see it, but I was like, man, is this really how America is? And uh, I don't know if I should take the chance. And I, I actually went, but um, it, it was a really nice experience. <laughs> and so I don't know um, if you Americans notice this, but from the outside looking in, everything seems so chaotic unless you're there pretty frequently and walk the streets and realize that it's maybe not as chaotic as it sounds like from the news media and uh, the articles being published and these social commentators and so on and so forth. And that's part of the problem that we live in. We live in an age where people uh, hide behind a screen. And when you hide behind a screen and you don't look the other person in the face, you can really like depersonalize the situation where you can really call for ruining someone's career or life without really ever facing that person or seeing that person face to face. And there just seems to be a lot of that. I mean, it's it's uh, a pretty interesting time to be alive as we try to figure out what life looks like with social media and interaction a lot through uh, social media websites and and through screens. I mean, it's a very interesting place. And one of the things that bothers me about this sort of 21st century is there is almost no place. I was just in a in an interview. When was this? This was last Friday with uh, a couple of atheists here in Iceland. Uh, they have a show called Armageddon. And uh, we were discussing this. There's like almost no space to discuss ideas. Universities are no longer the space where ideas can be discussed. And uh, back in the day when you had cities, fortified cities, there would always be uh, in the in the gates of the city, there would be a gathering of people or special places where people would come and argue philosophies or theology. And uh, there's just not a whole lot of that today. And I was talking about that in this interview and the other guy's like, well, isn't social media that way? And if that, if social media is taking that place in today's society, we have a big problem on our hands. I have made too many people mad because I didn't put enough emojis in my argument when I was having a debate with someone through Facebook. And there's so much that could go wrong. The depersonal, dehumanizing of the other people. They're just a basically an avatar, like an image of someone but you don't see the consequences of what you're calling for and so on and so forth. It's going to be an interesting place to be alive. So anyway, as an outsider looking in, it, it, it's just seemed chaotic. And I realized that it's not actually as chaotic in real life as it looks like online. But uh, one of the things that's, that's bothered me about this whole social justice talk is I don't know how I feel about qualifiers for the word justice, you know, social justice. I, I get it that you're trying to convey an idea that it's not just an individual justice, it's the social justice for a particular class of people. Um, but as we talk about justice uh, in the church, I think we should talk about justice in general and try to skip qualifiers as much as we can. I still don't know exactly where I come down on this, but I, I do feel like there's something in me uh, that gets weird when we qualify the word justice. Anyway, so that's just one of the thoughts that I have. And and then you go into what does justice look like? Um, and this is where uh, we're seeing this here in Iceland. We see this worldwide now. There's a scasm growing between uh, two political 
oppositions basically and what what they don't realize what a lot of people doesn't realize is that you may have differing ideas of how to get somewhere like for instance if you're a right-leaning person uh, you think the best way to achieve human flourishing is through limited government less government intervention more freedom for the individual to do with their lives as they choose and if you're a left-leaning person you would say the how we achieve human flourishing is is basically through uh government intervention government playing a bigger and bigger role in your life and in the life of its citizens and that way we uh reach human flourishing and there are christians on either side of this issue uh when you break it down into parties there's interesting to me like the democratic party in the u.s just seems to have made one of their main stances of the party is abortion that's why like i would have a really 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 difficult time being a democrat in the u.s right now Uh, i'm definitely when i'm asked you know where i stand politically i would definitely be on the sort of libertarian side of things i would definitely want limited government especially just experiencing uh living right now in a very big sort sort of socialist socialist leaning country uh, where taxes are high, where where products you buy. So in the end of the end of the day, the money you get for your salary, fifty percent of it's gone uh, in salary taxes and hidden fees that the that um, companies have to pay, basically that you don't see on your uh, salary ticket or whatever you call it. Um, but then you go when you shop, for instance, you go to the grocery store and you buy something for a hundred dollars. Well, twenty uh, twenty five dollars of those hundred dollars is tax uh so everything here is sales tax is usually about 25.5 percent of every product here uh you go to the gas station the gas is taxed like at least 100 percent, if not 200 it's ridiculously taxed and so after experiencing that and after having my own family and realizing I literally do not have a choice for my kid like Mikhail our oldest one just turned one there is not even a choice for a parent here to decide if they want their child to go to a public school or they want the child to be homeschooled. Like just the fact that there's no choice really scares me as a parent. Anyways, I don't want to go on a political rant here. So I would definitely be on that side of the spectrum. But what kind of justice are we looking for when we talk about justice? Like politically right now, there's a lot of talk about justice, but really defining the terms, what do we mean by justice? Is it the equality of outcome or the equality of opportunity? Do we want to do we want to try to uh, everyone have the same result as they try or don't try in life that really equality is about everyone earning the same amount everyone getting to go to the exact same uh same um jobs and so on and so forth or are we gonna go for justice in opportunity for people equality of opportunity are we gonna say basically this is an available option for everyone and if we're gonna put more emphasis on one group than the other one, that's not justice anymore. We're going to create an equality of opportunity so that everyone who can, who really wants to uh, dedicate themselves, they can um, bring in whatever outcome they want 
depending on how how much they work and so on and so forth. Now, one of those, if you if you're going for the the equality of outcome, the default is sort of we have to have a big stage so that we can regulate everyone, so that no one uh, gets paid more than the other and so on and so forth, which is really I think a big problem here in in Iceland because a lot of a lot of the richest people really see uh, no point in living here. Uh, a lot of a lot of companies that start here, we have a pretty uh, unstable currency. For instance, they see no point in staying in this country because uh, they can they they actually get offered job like offered tax cuts and so on and so forth from many different nations to move their headquarters over there, and to bring their jobs and so on and so forth with them. Now. Uh, if you if you're going for equality of outcome, you are politically you you kind of have to default to going towards the left leaning spectrum of this. You need a big government to regulate as much as they can so that everyone uh, sort of comes up equally. Uh, but if you are leaning sort of equality of opportunity, uh, that's sort of what you can shoot for as an individual. You can shoot for. Uh, not just having a bunch of unnamed individuals without faces, a group of people you don't know. You can actually personalize it and you can start dealing with a problem without going uh, the left-leaning route where the government needs to be huge to be able to do this. You can start dealing with the problem one person at a time. You as a person can start tackling the problem, which I think is an awesome, awesome way to seek justice. Now, going, going towards another thing, which is going beyond biblical terms. Um, like I've seen a lot of social justice revolve right now around, um, LGBT issues, mostly, uh, feminism issues, so on and so forth. And it really seems to basically not, not create an equality of opportunity, which I would shoot for, but an equality of outcome. And that's, that to me is a problematic thing. Uh, be, just because even even if you just want to deal with a problem just practically right from a practical side of things it's really hard for you as an individual to do anything uh to to seek justice with your personal life with your personal finances with your personal work and that's one of the one of the problems i see here in my country we whenever there's a problem um because we've been socialistic kind of leaning for quite a while, um, there is there is sort of a tendency for the people to go and lay the problem of society at the feet of someone else, the parliament, the parliamentarians, those are, who are in political power. And if they are not doing their jobs well, no one can seek justice. And that's the problem. We see a lot of corruption, you know, and we want to get changes. And every time we want to see something happen, uh, we need to go to the parliament in order to change administrations and so on and so forth. We need new elections. And it's just chaos because especially in a country where like I think I was voting last time and I think there were 12 different parties I could vote for which means that if everyone gets a small percentage, you're going to have a coalition of very differing opinions, very different goals for these groups, and they can ultimately do nothing. And if the government can't do anything and the individuals can't do anything to tackle this, the, the injustice we see in society, there is nothing left. Now, this is what I want to spend the most time on, is that is this social justice, the way people talk about it, is this social justice 
a derivative of the gospel? Is it is it the fruit of a gospel in an individual's life? Or have churches made this the gospel itself? That the good news is social justice? Or does justice arise and become a fruit of believing the true biblical gospel, which is that Jesus Christ came to save undeserving sinners, and through his blood and broken body on our behalf, he has made a way for us to be just before God, to be righteous before God, and through the work of the Holy Spirit, he's working in us to transform our mind and transform our hearts and to equip our hands to do the good work of the ministry. And that, I think, when it comes to discussing the social gospel and the church, is the biggest issue we need to be talking about. Because I have seen some churches make this the gospel, that our church is around, that exists for this, to seek social justice, instead of saying our church is seeks to to uh, to teach and to proclaim the gospel of the risen son of god who has conquered death and when transformed people who believe the gospel with transformed hearts with strengthened hands by the power of god when they are released into society the fruit of their labor is the fruit of their faith is gentleness and peace and self-control. Like the fruit of the Spirit starts coming out of their lives. And that's one of the things that I, uh, it's been bothersome for me. It's because we like to talk about difficulties. Uh, but in a lot of ways, we like to depersonalize them. We like to sort of group them in together. We like to, um, you know, talk about an issue that's somewhere out there, this you know, like when it comes to racism, for instance, it, I'm I'm wondering, does it really help? Like I, I I hear a lot about systematic racism, and my point every time that it's brought up is, don't just say systematic racism. Point out where in the system the racism is, so that we can tackle it together. Because if if we're gonna be talking about and any group of people, it doesn't have to be racism. It can be sexism, whatever. Like, don't just say. There is systematic sexism out there. There's systematic racism out there. If we really want to tackle the issue, it has to be individualized. And I think the best way to seek justice in the world is through transformed hearts that have been transformed by the power of God, the spirit of God, by the gospel of God, that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. He has come as the king of glory to lay his life down for us. How can we then not respond to that message with humility, trying to seek to, to display the love of God towards us and his son, Jesus Christ, by going out and not seeking our own glory, not seeking our own fame, but laying our lives down for others? It is the perfect way to display the gospel to an unlucky world, right? Ephesians 5, when it talks about marriage, for instance, it talks about it in the sense that in this relationship between the wife and, and the husband, they can display the gospel that Jesus Christ laid his life down for the church. So when we ask ourselves, what kind of head is the man supposed to be over his house? It's not the type of man who is sits back in his lazy boy and demands a sandwich and a, and a Bud Light or whatever. It's a man that is uh, seeking to lay his life down and lead 
his wife like Christ led the church. And so, and, and the same goes for the woman that to be faithful and to submit her life to her husband as the church is submitted to Christ. And when we do that, when we seek to show the gospel in our relationship, that's something awesome. And I don't, I don't get it when people are saying sort of like kind of putting this as antitheticals to one another, either social, social gospel, which, okay, if you, if you talk about it that way, if you call it a social gospel, I can see how that's a competing gospel to the actual biblical gospel. But when you talk about seeking justice versus uh, preaching the gospel, I don't think this needs to be antithetical to one another. Now, what comes first is of utmost importance. Is the gospel first and the fruit of that gospel impacting the lives of individual is going to be seeking justice for those who are oppressed? Because when I read the Bible, there's a lot that, that, that God has to say about uh, the orphans and the widows, those who are oppressed and so on and so forth. I mean, it, it, to take care of the poor. Like that's one of the things that blew my mind when I was, when I was starting the church, I had listened to so many lectures about church planting, read a few books, tried to read as many articles as I possibly could. Um, and then I was re reading Galatians two and Paul was saying when he was sent out, they only hammered on the fact that he would take care of the orphans and the widows. That was it. That was, that was what they, they wanted him to go out. They wanted him to preach the gospel. Just don't forget to take care of the orphan and the widows. And in all the classes that I heard on planting a church, on all the different books I read on, on the subject, uh, very few people, I don't think anyone really, I may have missed something, you know, but I don't think any one of those articles, books, or lectures I was listening to mentioned the fact that the church is there when the gospel impacts people, the church is there to be a blessing to people and to take care of needs and seek justice. And so it is, it is, it's just kind of sad that I see this kind of either or, either the gospel or justice, when in fact, justice and seeking justice, seeking social justice, if you want to qualify it that way, which I don't like, uh, seeking social justice can be the fruit of the gospel in an individual's life. But we do have a huge, huge problem if we make that our gospel um, because we don't have any further examples to look, look, look to when we are growing tired. Like, for example, when I'm if you look at marriage as sort of a reciprocal relationship that that uh, that you give love and you take love, then you as an individual that can't see anything beyond your marriage can't draw from a, a bigger source of strength than your the reciprocal love of your wife it's going to be very difficult for you to love your life uh, love your wife if you feel like she is being unfair to you uh if she's being mean to you and so on and so forth so what are you going to do in a situation if you view your marriage as a, a relationship of reciprocal love what are you going to do when the other individual doesn't love you the way you think you should be loved? Here's the, here's the thing for the Christian. We can look beyond our temporary circumstances to see Christ. It's exactly what Paul does, right? These light and momentary afflictions are nothing compared to the glory that is to come, the Apostle Paul said. And that guy knew what suffering was. It was not like he just stubbed his toe one time 
and decided to write this verse down this light and momentary this light first of all my mind is blown that he uses that word to describe his suffering this light and momentary affliction this is a guy who'd been whipped this is a guy who had been shipwrecked. This is the guy who had been stoned like to death. He was supposed to die, but he didn't die. This is a guy who knew what, what afflictions were. And yet he says this light and momentary affliction. Well, light and moment, momentary compared to what? To compare to the glory that is to come. He had a reason to keep on going even in tough circumstances. So if you're in a marriage, you know, and you need a reason to love your love your wife and you feel like she's being unfair to you or something like that, you need something better to look at. Like people say to me, uh, they've said to me a few times, it is impossible to love your enemies. Well, what about when we look at the cross and we look to Jesus Christ to deserve all glory and honor. And he yet came to die, to lay, lay his life down for us. And even while he was being cru crucified, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Well, when I have that example to look to, when I see the path that Christ has laid before me, when I see his deserving of all honor and glory, the king of glory, the king of kings, and yet he comes to lay his life down. What excuse do I have not to love? What excuse do I have to not even seek to love my enemies? That is the example that we have. Now, when talking about the, the social gospel, I mean, I think we need to be careful. I have some concerns with some churches that I feel like are putting a greater emphasis on justice and calling this kind of referring to this and talking about this as if this is the gospel um i think it's a it's something that comes out of the gospel i think it's uh what what james says you know that faith without works is dead well you know are we really going to be like those who are in the book of james who say to the person who is cold and lack of uh lack of food well good job with you know good luck with that uh, i hope you hope you get some clothes and, and get some food or are we going to be the ones who actually not only pray for that individual but also seek to see if we can help that individual by giving him our clothes by feeding him our food uh, i don't think it's either or and it kind of breaks my heart when people put it put it that way but it's definitely a problem if you make that the gospel because that is a false gospel. It will never, if this is our ultimate goal, just justice with no grounding or no hope to, to keep us going when justice is hard, uh, then it's going to fail. And I think ultimately, the flourishing of humankind is through, comes through uh, transformed hearts by the gospel, the real gospel, that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners and to make us his own. And when you can look at that and draw from that deep well, you can keep on going and you can seek justice for the individuals around you. Uh, just sort of like, I know the airplane analogy is used often enough, but I, let me use it one more time. You know, when the, uh, the cabin gets depressurized or whatever they call it, you know, they, they tell you to put your mask on first so that, so that you can help your kids 
uh, don't put their mask on first because if you are unconscious, then you're not going to be able to help your kids out at all. And so it needs to be with the church. If we're going to be seeking to do justice in this world, we need to we need to make sure that we have the strength to do so. And where do we get the strength to do so? We draw from the deep well of the actual biblical gospel. We draw from the deep well of God's law, love, and justice, where we see meet at the cross of Jesus Christ. And then we have the strength, the courage, and the ability to go forward and seek justice for others. Thank you for being with me today. I didn't mean for this to be this long. This is another uh, rant here on a Tuesday. So I guess we can uh, talk. We didn't really go deep into stuff. I was mainly rambling, but um, no, I'm not going to call this a theological Tuesday, but it's a ranting Tuesday, which doesn't sound uh, as great. God bless you all. Is it Tuesday? Wait, let me check my calendar right now. (laughs) Yes, it is Tuesday. Uh, It's been a long weekend. It's been a difficult weekend. But God bless you guys. Thank you for for listening. Um, Blown away that people actually listen. So uh, thank you guys for listening. And I hope that encouraged you. And hopefully gives you hope and courage to go and seek justice for others. But remembering to draw from the deep well of the true biblical gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you. See you.